Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Casey. This is our second podcast via Zoom for uh, quarantine reasons. I'm still decked out for Christmas back here. You guys, um, I guess we didn't decorate the office this year. Oops. The tacky sweaters or anything here? <laughs> we should do that. We should have a sweater day and just, I can wear mine on Zoom. <clears throat> All right. Today's uh, podcast topic is, are you ready for retirement? This is probably a question uh, that people will ask. Am I ready for retirement? I'm scared about retirement. Am I going to have enough for retirement? Uh, I would say this podcast is not going to tell you exactly what you need for retirement because every single person has a unique situation. We have hundreds of financial plans on file at our firm that we've done for hundreds of uh, families over the last year. And I would say that we opened up each one. Each one is very unique in its own way. So we can't, can't give individual advice to this, but we certainly can give you some guidelines for the uh, DIYers and maybe people who are just curious about the process. So really, we've kind of broken this down into, we'll call it um, uh, four, uh, four categories. Uh, Matthews, I'll let you start with number one. What's the number one thing we should be looking at to see if we're ready for retirement? A lot of it depends on kind of the lifestyle you, you want in retirement. Um, you know, if you're trying to live on the thirty dollars to $40,000, then uh, Social Security will cover a lot of that. And then uh, the nest egg doesn't have to be as big, but then you have clients that want to live on $100,000 or $200,000. So it really depends. You got to decide, you know, how, what's the lifestyle you want to live on in retirement uh, and then kind of break it down from there. Uh, also, it's not really a fixed expense either. Um, you know, there's different expenses throughout retirement. Uh, usually those first few years um, is when you're spending the most, kind of called the, the go-go, then the slow-go years. Uh, and the no-go when it kind of uh, teeters off a little bit. Uh, I think Brad's got a, a drawing of kind of how that works. Well, Brad's, Brad's an artist now. Look at that. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> this is a podcast. You're a man of big talents here, I tell you what. This is a podcast. You're going to have to explain that, what you're showing me on my screen. <laughs> well, studies have shown that, our, as Matthew said, our expenditures during our retirement tends to be more variable than they are during our working years represented here by a smoother line of expenditures over time. Early on, as Matthew's explained, our go-go years, we're traveling, we're going out and having fun, enjoying you know, retirement uh, after pent-up years of the working years and supporting our families. We want to go out and enjoy ourselves. And that lasts for a number of years. And then as that period changes, we, we, we become a little bit more restful maybe. Um, our expenditures go down in reflection of that, um, and we enjoy those years in a different manner. And then later on in life, you know, our healthcare costs can shoot up, and we find that uh, historically, studies have shown that those are very, very expensive years in terms of actual outflows. So, a variable rate of expenditures in our retirement uh, needs to be planned for. That make that makes sense. And uh, certainly with, with lifestyle, uh, I've seen people uh, in current dollars living on, on $35,000, $40,000 a year, and they're happy as could be. And we have other families that if they don't have $250,000, uh, they would get really worried. So th that's the reason why every plan is unique, is we all have unique uh, things that we want to spend money on. 
So yeah, so I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw in uh, uh, maybe we call it like one A point one A managing cash flow. Uh, I'm you know I'm a I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan when it comes to debt elimination and and, and budgeting. Beyond that, I think he gets off the rails a little bit. But uh, his budget techniques have really changed people's lives, and and the, you know retirement so much about cash flow, you know money coming in, money going out. So if you you can look at your expenses, but if you didn't have some of those expenses, like if you didn't have, you, no one should have credit card debt, especially the eighteen percent variety. But if, if you're if you're you don't have those those credit card balances you're trying to pay down, you don't have car loans. Uh, Hey, let's get wild and crazy, and let's try to eliminate our mortgage before retirement. Imagine thousands of dollars a, a, a month that saves you um, not having to have those outflows, right? So it, it's it's really preparing for retirement is how can we eliminate eliminate debt to be able to spend our income on trips and experiences or maybe things. I think retirement is probably more about experiences than than things for most people. Um, unless that's a traveling vehicle or an RV or something like that. Well, we, we have clients and we talk to other people who, who, you know, that, that mortgage can be a quarter or more of their, their monthly income or their monthly budget. So when you ask them, you know, what could you live on? They, they really forget about that always being included. Um, you know, that's a significant, uh, burden that's released once they no longer have the, the mortgage payments uh, and allows them to live off a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. A portion of that, of course, is just interest that they're paying on that mortgage payment. Right. That's just money that they're giving to the uh, the mortgage holder. Yeah, true. Well, yeah. And, and for some people who can't quite get to that hurdle, man, we have really low interest rates right now. So just refi what you got left over, take it out 30 years and get the lowest payment you possibly can uh, to free up more cash flow, right? So right. there's a lot of options to do uh, on the mortgage front. Uh, still sticking to the cash flow theme, you know, I, I think about uh, Social Security, uh, pensions, uh, uh, any other payments that be coming in during retirement. You, you need to figure out how to optimize those. Uh, just because you retire at 65, 66, 67 doesn't mean you need to be taking Social Security right away. Uh, we, can have the, we can show the math, but for a lot of people, uh, you're better off waiting to age 70 to take that distribution uh, from if you're a full retirement age to age 70, you're getting what an 8% increase per year. That that adds up, especially in your later years to have those higher payments. You know, and uh, with life expectancies increasing over time, a person at age 65, or in this case, a male at age 65, their life expectancy is another 16 years. So that puts them out to age 81. So if you delay for five years from 65 to age 70, you're at age 70, your life expectancy is even beyond age 81. But you're 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 baking into your payment, if I can say it that way, that 8% per year increase from 65 to 66 to 67, 68, 69, and 70, that then you'll receive all the way through, you know, the rest of your expected normal lifespan. When we right. run those projections, it's usually uh, you know, late 70s is the break-even. Some people say, well. You know, I paid into it. I want to go ahead and get my money. But even waiting, you know, that the break even is usually in the late 70s. So um, it, it can make a, a significant difference from the late 70s uh, into your, your 80s. So we add up uh, Social Security. We add up maybe a pension. 
and then we look at our portfolio, and this kind of takes us into, um, you know, from a cash flow standpoint, what's your inflows? So, so how much can the portfolio generate for you? Uh, you know, we 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 talk about um, uh, the four percent rule sometimes, where that's a good gauge to say if you have a million dollars saved up for retirement, then you can draw down four percent of that per year. As a rule of thumb, depending upon the actual circumstance. But, you know, throughout our working years, we're accumulating our portfolio where the primary purpose of that portfolio is to grow in size, to maximize the return at any given level of risk. But once we go into retirement, the primary purpose of the portfolio changes. It changes from growth, really, to to paying income. So the key at this point in time is to create a portfolio whose return stream can match the expenditures of the retiree, plus count in inflation year after year. And so it's a a different thought process in retirement where you want to create a return stream that matches the required rate of return for you to have a lifelong stream of income, all right? And we do that here simply by matching long-term capital market assumptions to each asset class, equities, fixed income, and cash relative to the person's risk tolerance and what they required to meet in retirement income needs. It's not magic, but what it is is portfolio construction to match a person and individual's unique lifestyle that Matthew's talked about earlier. So two ways you can look at that, it's it's your guaranteed income, your social security, your pension, plus um, the 4% roughly from your investments. That could be your inflow. Um, or if you're saving for retirement, you just reverse that 4% divided by the number that you want in income for retirement. And that's roughly what you need to have saved, right? So I, I think there's a couple of couple of things while we're here. We're in the point three now, portfolio management and retirement that we have to think about. One of the things that I feel like is starting to be uh, unique to our firm. I, I'm seeing less firms that are that are doing this the way that I think that they should, uh, but it's establishing a cash bucket. So so when you're living off your money, your portfolios every month, you establish inside the account. You're establishing a, maybe a two year or a three year if you want to be really safe. How much money is, is that portfolio generating you? That 4% you need to have two to three years worth in savings that you pull out of that of that account every month, meaning cash or cash light product outside of the portfolio, but still inside the same account, right? And Absolutely. And we saw the, the need for that this year in extreme circumstance. In late March, where the market had hit its low, and for people who were withdrawing money for, to supplement their income, we did not have to disturb the portfolio at that point in time. Because if we had, we'd have been selling assets at their low point, which would have required us to sell more shares to get that same amount of income. By having the cash bucket, a couple years worth of um, income set aside, we, weren't, we didn't have to disturb the portfolio, allowed it to come back, to pre-COVID levels in many cases, and we can make new decisions about the cash bucket going forward. That allows you to be invested too. I think a lot of times retirees think 
you know, they retire, that's it. Now they can uh, come conservative and that's the end of their investing career. You know, that, that money is still lasting from 65 or so to try to plan through age 95. Uh, being a, a fixed income environment, especially this low interest rate environment, um, that's just not going to cut it to keep up with inflation. Uh, so having that cash bucket allows you to still invest in a, a diversified portfolio um, that is has not taking on too much risk, but has a, a little bit of equity uh, positions to it. Yeah, I mean, it, really, you stop working, but your money's starting to work uh, even more so for the next, um, you know, over the next 30 years. Right. Well, what are the, what's the old saying? There are two sources of, of, of income, people at work and money at work. You know, not right now. We're talking about money at work. And it should work. It should go out and work for us, work hard for us as we did for it. It allows us to be a little more aggressive with our portfolios, too, by having a cash bucket. Yes, it does. And it creates a tremendous amount of peace of mind for the retiree, knowing that for the next two years, they've got that income secured. So we, we know that um, we got to determine what our expenses are. We know our income is going to be coming in through guaranteed sources plus our portfolio. We know back approximately how much of our portfolio can be can be generating um, based on the 4% rule. We also have um, kind of have to look at asset allocation. You touched on that, Brad, where, you know, we are we going to be 60% stock, 40% bonds. Are we going to be more conservative than that, more aggressive than that in retirement? Uh, those are, you have to determine the volatility that you want inside the portfolio. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, that's, Obviously, we like low-cost index funds. You can do all this inside a Vanguard account if you wanted to uh, in super cheap, uh, low-cost funds. Um, but I think the, la the last bit of this is um, thinking about what you're going to do for, for those that are in retirement or on the verge of retirement. What are you going to do in retirement when you're done working? You walk away from the job. Some people are sad to leave. Some people are... Um, excited to leave. Some people are have already left mentally <laughs> from their job, um, but you can't. You just can't go and then not have a purpose. Uh, we've seen people who didn't have a purpose, and it's weird how like health issues and and things will kind of creep in. Um, maybe there are underlying issues already. I don't know, but it just seems like the people who retire and leap into something. It could be just be grandkids. It could be that travel list. It, could be the reading list, it, but there's something. Uh, it could be part time, part time work or vo uh, volunteer time. Just find something you can engage yourself in uh, post post your working years. Well, you know the uh, it, it used to be th thought of as somebody retired and they went and rocked on the front porch, you know. But anymore, you know, sixty five is uh, it's just not that old. Um, Health and and medicines and wellness is, has has gotten us a long ways down the path where people in their sixties and seventies are very active these days and you know we should take advantage of that and through our through our financial planning and help you know we want to help fund that for people. Absolutely. Well, I think those are some good tidbits. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to add, I'll I'll just say that uh, one of the key things I think is required for a successful investment is a good financial advisor. I, I see that during COVID as well. We, we, um, uh, we saw people who were not using our services and they went to cash. They got, they panicked, didn't know what to do and they didn't get back in. 
uh, during this COVID sell-off. And it, it breaks my heart to see that because that's not the kind of behavior we need to have to be successful investors. And we, we have whole podcasts on, on uh, investor behavior, obviously. But um, you, you got to have a trusted advisor or a guide along that way. And, and if you're listening and, and you don't have that, we're, ha- we're here to have uh, happy to help you. Um, I think it has to be done from a fee only standpoint. Uh, I learned uh, in a, another call I was in earlier this week, I thought we were 8% of our industry. I thought only 8% of advisors were not selling product. We're just here to give advice in the best interest of the client. I heard it was two. 2%. 2%? That's what I heard. I, 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 and then I went to where I heard this from. I went to the website and they were advertising on the website is 2%. And uh, so I, I got to do my math on that. I, I I did registered advisors that were uh, not licensed with a broker dealer and that was 8%. So maybe I did my math wrong, but uh, that's a really low number. So we're, hard, we're hopefully we're easier to find than we were 10 years ago. But um uh, it just goes to show you how, how upside down this uh, industry is. Well, that can be the case. It's built on incentives and we're incented to provide objective advice. That's the way it should be. We need, uh, we need somebody powerful in government to make that the case for everybody, but uh, that's not going to happen. Lobbyists uh, have, have too much, uh, too much power. So those insurance companies have a big incentive for you not for us not <laughs> to work in different countries, right? <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. See you on the other side. Merry Christmas. See ya. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.